Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the rundown. Run dot down here on the Strickland YouTube channel and now on the Strickland Podcast Network. If you're listening afterwards to the audio only version, welcome. Um, be sure to tune into post game streams during the season. Um, on YouTube, I am Sam at FBL underscore Sam on Twitter, and I got with me Jeff, aka Frank Barrett 119 over here. Um, and you know, Nick's training camp has got has been underway for the last couple of days. Um, and it has not disappointed in terms of headlines, I will say. Um, I think things really got off to, um, an interesting start when Thibs kind of said that, or not even kind of said, he just basically straight up said that Evan Fournier is the front runner for shooting guard, which to most of the fan base was a huge disappointment, but not a shocker because it's Thibs. And at this point, you know what you're going to get from him. It's just a matter of fact that you're just disappointed that he went that route instead of, you know, being better. Um, but yeah, I mean, that got real. that got Nick's Twitter and the whole Nick's fan base kind of like up in arms. Um, a lot of people disagree with his decision to name Evan Fournier, the front runner, while some other people are not really taking that word front runner so seriously, but I would say it's Thibs. So that basically means he's penciled in for it, but I mean, Jeff, how did you feel about all of this going on so far? With um, well, I had an instant negative reaction. I think it's really hard not to. Um, I actually joked about it with someone on Twitter today, where they were just like, "Man, I wish Nick's Twitter wasn't like this," and I was like, "Yeah, I wish I wasn't like this either." You know, like I wish I didn't like just instantly react, especially on the negative side, so often, but. I mean, our head coach has sort of been gaslighting the fan base for the better part of a year now. Um, well, no, that's that's unfair. Um, a little under a year, but still. Um, so immediately your first thought is like, okay, here we go again. Um, but then you read some of the more, you know, uh, I guess rational takes, you know, where they're just like, well, Fournier was the starting shooting guard last year and he broke the Knicks record for most threes of course he's going to head into training camp as the front runner. That doesn't mean Grimes doesn't have a chance to win it. Tibbs is just saying my starting shooting guard from last season who did that is going to be the front runner. Like, you know, if you believe that, I I can't say you're wrong. Um, And I do think Grimes is going to have a chance to win it. So I guess now that I've had some time to digest it, I'm a little bit less upset than I was when I first heard the news. Um, I also just think it's an unnecessary thing to say. Like he apparently, according to Ian Begley was saying that, you know, it's going to be clean slate and everybody is going to have a chance to win their jobs. So why would you open a day in saying, yeah, yeah, it's just going to be business as usual. Like, I don't understand why you would say that unless you were trying to get a rise out of the fan base. It just seems stupid. Um, And it seems like he's been trying to do that as of late. Yeah. I do have thoughts on the decision itself, but what what, what were your thoughts when you heard the uh, when you heard the when you heard the Tibbs quote? I mean, again, I was I wasn't shocked. I was just disappointed because I was just like, you don't. First of all, after all the things that we heard regarding Grimes this offseason, whether it be 
from Summer League and the ESPN reporters constantly saying, you know, Grimes is competing for that starting spot. You know, it made it sound like there was something coming from the organization itself. Like there was an edict put forth to blast this out. And maybe that was to garner more trade value. But then when you get to the whole Donovan Mitchell trade saga, it's like Grimes was left out of an almost all negotiations. So if this wasn't a media push to get more trade value out of Grimes and he's not, you know, if he doesn't have a fair shot at, um, he doesn't have a fair shot at, at the starting, at the starting shooting guard spot, then what was all this talk for in, in, in summer league for like, what was this all for at this point? So for me, it was just more of disappointment. Cause it's like, what, like what the hell was all this for then? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I heard something similar about the Donovan Mitchell trade. Um, uh, I think it was Jeremy Cohen. Um, and he basically said something like, you know, I didn't even want Mitchell. Like, but we heard about it for two months and then nothing happened. And it's like, if you had told most of us at the start of free agency, like, hey, we're, we're getting Jalen Brunson. Like, we're going to upgrade our team with Jalen Brunson. We're not going to give up that much. Um most of us would have been excited, but then you hear for, and Isaiah Hartenstein, who's a really good player. Like we didn't give up anything for Hartenstein and we gave up, you know, Burks, Noel, Kemba, all players. We all wanted gone for Jalen Brunson and some second round picks for Jalen Brunson. Like we, most of us would have been thrilled, you know? And to your point, it's the same thing with Grimes. Like, there's a world where most of us would have understand understood Grimes coming off the bench. But when you hear for two months that he's going to be the starter and they don't include him in a Donovan Mitchell trade seemingly because they value him a lot. Um, it's just disappointing is a really good word. I, 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 I can't help but agree with you. Um, and then you also have to add in the Tibbs part of it, right? Like, it's it sucks to keep going back to him, but when you don't start on a Tibbs team, you just your minute ceiling is so much lower. Um, I don't really get why people don't get that. Like, I mean, I know we're kind of you know because we do this and because you know we just love the Knicks, we're watching every game. But it's been two years now, so the whole it doesn't matter who starts, it matters who finishes thing is just nonsense. It just is like you don't get extra points for scoring in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying all quarters are exactly the same. I agree that close and late situations have a little bit of extra value, but you're more likely to lose a game. If your best players are playing five to 10 less minutes than they should. Like an exaggerated example would be if you had Michael Jordan on your team and he played zero minutes, the first three quarters, but then 12 fourth quarter minutes, that would be suboptimal, even though he's closing the game. Like we can all agree on that. So we all agree that there's a line where minutes in the first three quarter matter as much as the fourth quarter minutes, right? Like we, we all agree with that. And Tibbs pushes that to the highest, like he pushes the envelope more than any coach I've ever seen, because if you're not starting, I, I did this on Twitter the other day, like he did not, in the first 30 games when Rose played, he did not like make a substitution in the first seven minutes of the game more than three times. The starters played the first seven minutes of the first quarter every single time, basically. And so, and the first sub every time was Rose. 
So you're Quentin Grimes, you're Emmanuel Quickly, you're Obi Toppin. You're not coming in until the two, three minute mark of the first and third quarter. That's 18 of the 48 minutes. You have a 0% chance of playing already. You're at 30 minutes and your path to 30 minutes is playing the last 15 minutes of both halves, which is, you know, not crazy when you play for Tibbs, but it's also just completely unsustainable. You'll die. You need to come in and then come out. That's how basketball works. Um, and so to bring this back to Grimes, I know that was a long rant. I'm sorry, but to bring this back to Grimes, when when you when you understand that Grimes is coming off the bench, it means that he's going to probably play somewhere between 15 and 22 minutes a game, 15 and 24 minutes a game, which is fine for a second year guy who is what 25th pick again or yeah 25th pick, mm-hmm. but to your point. There was an expectation that there would be more. There was more excitement, and it's just disappointing. Very disappointing. That leads us to Thibs once again having something to say about something that the fans want, but he doesn't like it. Um, I think the biggest thing that has been a, a focus of discussion between Knicks fans um, and Knicks media altogether has been um, – the decision to not play Julius Randle and Obi Toppin more um, or just go small in general, but mostly that pairing. Uh, a lot of fans requested it last year. I mean, he tried it in the beginning of the year and it worked um, to a degree. Um, and then he seemed to have never went back to it after um, Noel and Taj Gibson rejoined the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, he basically came out recently and says, Man, he basically said, I, I don't think that the numbers support basically that they should play together. And fans basically backed out the numbers, which say, you know, Knicks won those minutes with those two. And then he comes back today and says, well, you know, I actually watched the games and, you know, those weren't really those were blowouts that the that that those numbers are being skewed by. So. I mean, it's such a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like he's acting like there's this third party that dictates the minutes. He's like, well, if they were better, they'd play more together if they work together. But he decides that they're not playing together more. So like, what is he even talking about? And I say this all the time under tips, even the first season, because once you with that first season, like I get that the preseason expectations were low and I give Tibbs all the credit for a lot of all the credit in the world for a lot of things he did. But the main reason the Knicks were as good as they were that season was because Julius Randle was as good as he was. Let's, let's, let's be honest there. And once you ignore, once you give Julius Randle that season, you have to optimize around it and you have to, and I, I think it's clear that Tibbs didn't do that. Um, And the main point that I made over and over again was where does this arrogance come from that we are this finished product that can, that only has to do one thing over and over again. Like we're not, I mean, at least me and you, I don't think are saying we're not saying play Randall and Obi every game only and have that be the only big combination, but we're a middling team, a middling young team. Try different things. There are tons of matchups 
where Obi and Randall as a front line is more than acceptable. And this idea that it's just untenable, that we need Hardenstein or Mitchell Robinson on the court 100% of the time because if we just do this one thing all the time, that is our best path to winning as many games as possible. That's preposterous. That's just that's just not a good way of coaching. It just isn't for a short for for the short or the long term. Because in the short term, we're basically handing every other team a playbook for what we're going to do, right? Like we're going to play drop coverage. We're going to have a paint bound center who I mean at least Hardenstein can shoot a little bit, but we're going to have a paint bound center for the most part on both uh, 48 minutes. And that's all we're going to do. We're not going to push the ball at the end of games. We're going to do the same thing. Tibbs knows the best way. And if it doesn't work, it's because the players aren't doing it well enough. That's bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. You have to, it's 2022. This is as smart as NBA teams have ever been. You have to show multiple looks. You have to be willing. And more importantly, you have to play your best players. And if they don't fit this perfect mold that you've that you've created, tough luck. OB Toppin is one of the team's six best players playing him 14 to 18 minutes a game because he happens to play the same position as one of your other six best players. Supposedly Julius Randall wasn't one of our six best players last year. The idea that he was is a joke, but I, I believe that Randall can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to totally doubt that he can, you know, salvage last season somewhat. He's a really talented player. Okay. Play them together. What if it helps Randall? What, what if it helps Randall to have more space and a, and to play next to Obi who brings energy, who brings passing, who – it's not perfect, but don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Like, I don't, I don't get what we're doing here. Yeah, I mean, and I said when I heard this, the initial quote, because here's the initial quote. Um, here's from Stefan Bonnie. Here's the tweet. Tom Thibodeau didn't sound too eager to use a Julius Randall Obi Toppin lineup. He said they've looked at it in practice and in small doses last season. I think the numbers show it wasn't very effective. You then replied to Bondi saying, could you have the actual numbers ready? So the next time this question is asked, you have a follow-up. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's your job. And you provided the numbers, which were from 2021 from 2020 to 2021 it was a 39 minute sample with a plus 8.1 um net rating um in 2122 it was 101 minutes with a plus 3.7 um net rating um and i mean yeah i mean i basically and i said after this i said dip should get fired for that quote because it's he's either misinformed or he's informed and he's ignorant which is probably what it is the latter of because i don't think dibs is i i, I don't i hope dibs isn't this stupid <laughs> to realize right. that because the num the, the sample sizes are so small and because of the blowouts, it's because you don't play them enough together. That's why the sample size isn't large enough to qualify for your your parameters or whatever it may be. And and for that reason, he should be fired. Like that's that's like misutilizing your talent to like such a grave deal. And and to expand on what other people said on Twitter. Even if you adjust the numbers for the blowouts that show that, okay, so they were in their small sample size, in the non-blowout minutes, they were actually a negative. They were still less of a negative than Randall was with Mitch. They were still less of a negative than Randall was with Nerlens Noel. Like, so, yeah, it didn't really work that well across the small sample size, but nothing with Randall worked that well. Well, one thing worked with, with Randall, that was Emmanuel quickly, quickly but yep. yeah, but you know, he's a backup shooting guard. So <laughs> I mean, but the point is, is that you have to view things relatively. 
Like not, nothing worked with Randall. Um, and then the other thing is we saw at the end of last season, Obi is clearly more comfortable when he gets a feel for the game. Like anybody who has played sports understands that you can't just Obi came in for seven minutes at a time. And he, he spent his whole life playing basketball, being one of the best players on his team. And I'm not asking them to like make him like the star, but that's mm. unrealistic, obviously. Yeah. But when you've spent your whole life doing one thing, you have to, you can't just expect him to come in for a short amount of time and just stand in the corner and shoot threes. That's clearly not how Obi Toppin works. Then Randall was out and he wasn't like the number one option. He wasn't the high usage Julius Randall player, but he got his feet wet into every game. He got a feel for every game. He touched mm-hmm. the ball. He got moving and clearly he was more comfortable. And it seems so overwhelmingly obvious to me that if he played some minutes with Randall, which just increased the time he was on the court, it would help him. It would help the team. It would help Randall. It would just help everyone. I just don't get how you can be so close-minded to the idea of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, we'll get to the media in just a minute. So let's get to some qu- questions and, and comments because we got quite a few um, rolling in. Um, here we go from Christopher Vieira. Do you think it's fair to assume that IQ's role will actually be reduced this year? He has played a lot in the fourth quarter, but now Brunson is here, not Elfer Kemba, who were terrible. Um, yeah, that's my main concern. And a lot of fans are like, well, you know, it's good to have Brunson because, you know, you know, I mean, pe- people are basically justifying Thibs not playing IQ with because Brunson is good. So, like, that is the Mendel duel, as if Brunson cannot play with Emmanuel quickly, or there cannot be any staggering of any sort. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen people try to already um, justify IQ having a diminished role because you know Brunson here, Brunson is here, and Brunson is like this twenty-five and eight guy or something. And I, I like Brunson. I'm not trying to diminish Brunson, but people got to be realistic. Brunson probably will have some off nights and IQ will have it going. And at that point, Thib should roll with the hot hand, but we know he won't. But to your question, Christopher, I will say I do think his role will be reduced because Derrick Rose is still here. Um, And yeah, Thibs likes Derrick Rose. So. I mean, if you're quickly, there have been two discussions this from, from Tibbs and we'll, we'll talk about the other one later, but there have been two quotes already within two days by Tibbs. There has been the starting shooting guard conversation where the conversation is uh, Grimes versus Fournier. And then there was questions about the point guard position. And Thibodeau today said three names. He said Brunson, he said Rose, and he said Deuce McBride. I love Deuce. I mean, I mean, so, you know, we, 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 we both love Deuce. But if you're quickly at on some level, you got to be looking in the mirror and you're like, what, is, what do I have to do? Because quickly is better than both Fournier and Grimes. Wh- why can't quickly just be the starting two? Like if, if we're trying to just put out our best team, quickly was our best player last year. Quickly has proven he can play off the ball. And how do I know that he can play off the ball? Because Tom Thibodeau is going to have him playing off the ball next to Derek Rose. He, he loves him off the ball. He, he, he sees 
he, he wants to give quickly some reps with the ball in his hands because we saw at the end of the last year he can do it, but he clearly doesn't view him as a point guard. He views him as a two off. The, he, he views him as a two mostly. So why can't he just start? Oh, well, Brunson's undersized, so there would be defensive problems. Well, quickly has the longest wingspan of the three players. Um, and if you don't want to start Grimes because whatever, he's, he, he's got his foot's a little hurt. You don't think he's ready yet? Start quickly. There's no argument that quickly is a better player than Fournier. So your, your, your starting lineup has been abysmal for two seasons and quickly has been a net rating God. Maybe, maybe that would infuse some, some pace, some winning into the starting lineup. Uh, how is that not a consideration? What, what is our analytics department doing over there? How can we sit here and I, I just don't, I don't understand what the goal is because if the goal is to win games this season, which apparently it is, Emmanuel quickly should play more. He, he just should. Um, he's one of your best perimeter defenders. He led the team in net rating like the last two seasons, um, except for Derek Rose, who is just, a freak of nature. I don't get how he's still doing it, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to drop off eventually. And if the goal is development, Emmanuel quickly should play more. So, I mean, I, I didn't really answer Chris's question because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to address the fact that he's probably just going to play 15 minutes a game, but I just don't get how I don't understand. I don't understand what they're doing. It's just, it's so incredibly stupid to me. Um, and it's so stupid to me that there's a segment of Knicks fans that, supports this that thinks that the Knicks are better short or long-term with quickly playing less. It's, it's baffling to me. I don't understand what they're watching. I some, don't. some fans, they defend it by saying, well, you know, in a year or two, Fournier's contract is up. Well, in a year or two, Emmanuel quickly could decide to sign somewhere else because they'll give him more of an opportunity than New York has ever been willing to. Yeah. It's simple as that. And people are like, well, why would you want to leave New York? Well, opportunity arises elsewhere and money trumps all of it so like if someone's gonna pay him to give him more of an opportunity he's gonna take it as much as he loves new york city and he loves being a nick he's gonna take it he's been misutilized and like for his whole career here and And guess what and guess what i'm sorry to interrupt you but mm -hmm. the front the front office and the coaching staff might be blowing off these numbers but you know who isn't blowing off these numbers fucking agent his agent knows how good he is, and his agent is in his ear telling him, "Dude, you're you're really good. Like, keep this up. You're, you're really good. Somebody is going to understand that you're really good, even if the Knicks don't." And I don't see quickly as a guy who will demand a trade. Doesn't seem like that type of guy. Mm-hmm. But to your point, and I'll toss this back to you. He's going to take his fucking bag, and he's going to go. And let's say let's say someone buys low on him. You know, when he becomes a restricted free agent, like the Mavs did with Frank. Top- Right, and just t- but let's just say somebody tossed him a number that the Knicks deemed too high. Why would they retain him if Tibbs has proven that he doesn't value him? Why? So, you know, people might say, "Oh, well, he's a restricted free agent, and the Knicks can match anything when he enters restricted free agency." What proof do we have that the Knicks have any interest in retaining him if they won't play him? What? Back and to this, you. I fucking hate this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is what and I hate to like not get to, to comments because I really do want to get to comments, but this this goes to this goes to the larger point of the media. And what the hell is their job here if they're not gonna do anything of any sort to get any type of answers 
for anything, any decisions that this team is making. Why has no one ever pulled out any of the numbers that are access that are widely available to all fans that all fans have access to that all fans have reference to in terms of Emmanuel quickly? Why has no reporter stockpiled these stats, regurgitated them to Thibs and say, these are the stats of Emmanuel quickly. This is where he ranks all this good stuff. This is his on off. This is his net rating. This is all this. This is someone that sounds like a really, 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 really great player that should be playing more. Why has he been limited to this short amount of time? No reporter has ever done anything of the sort of at all. It's like they're scared of him. For what reason? Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, and then they cry about access. This is what you do with your access. You waste your time asking these stupid questions. Don't ask any follow-ups and get nothing but like, angry quote tweets from fans is that is that what your job is these days as a journalist to get angry quote tweets is that it like i just don't get it it's yeah i mean tommy beer asked a sweet question today good for him um yeah someone mentioned it um what did he say what did he ask um he asked about randall uh he asked about randall's defense and tibbs gave a non-answer as tibbs is want to do and then Tommy Beer like asked had a follow up ready because he expected a bullshit answer and was of like course. no and was like are you saying you liked what Randall did and he still kind of talked around it but I mean at least he tried like you know like that's that's the most you can do you know you gotta like, put you gotta put the pressure on him he's not used to that type of stuff right if you the reporters in New York are spot, soft on him right and. I don't know. I mean, obviously we don't know the ins and outs of the media situation. So, you know, maybe it is just like a freaking, you know, they're, they think if they push it too hard, they won't get the access they want, but what's the point of the access if you're not going to do anything with it? It's a two way. It's, it's two. Exactly. What journalism has become. Oh, oh my gosh. My journalism professors from my first year of college would hate seeing what New York reporters are doing right now. <laughs> they, they'd cry. Um, but I think Christopher Vieira said that Thibs also said that Randall's defense was very good and that Obi is not where he needs to be on defense. He's back to praising Randall again. He learned nothing from last year. Well, let's take a gander at that because that doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> That's a, I mean, I, I'm just curious how much better the Knicks were with Obi on the court than Randall defensively. And while you get I to that, I will get to some more comments. Yeah. Um, Brent says, I'll never forgive Dibs for waiting till game three to four to bench Peyton. It's crazy. He may have revolutionized defense, but Dibs has let the game pass him by and his evaluation has suffered. Yeah. I mean, all that ice defense stuff is all great and dandy and whatnot, but I mean, you are letting the NBA run circles around you when it comes to every other aspect in terms of creativity with rotations, lineups, plays, offense, like so prehistoric in all those realms. It's insane. So the. Oh. 4.3. Oh, wait, repeat that. You just froze for a minute. I'm sorry. The Knicks were gave up 111 points, 111.6 points per hundred possessions with Randall on the court and 104.3 points per hundred possessions when he was off the court. So they were minus 7.3 defensive per hundred defensively with Randall. 
That was his defensive net. Yikes. And I mean, that doesn't surprise OB, me. Obi, they gave up 104 points per 100 when he was on. And 111.2 when he was off. So <laughs> just the old 14-point difference between when Obi played and Randall played. You know, no big deal. I'm shocker sure complete shocker i'm sure i'm sure no one's you know no one had that stat ready to have a follow-up for yeah and not, it was probably you know, just you know the media's not prepared just, at all it was probably just you know ob faced benches you know because that's it that it's 14 points per 100 is difference in quality you know not to it, mention by the way the whole they face benches thing is bullshit I because tibbs it. is the only one who does hockey shifts so while we have five bench players on the court other the other team have, have like two starters or three exactly. starters. They other teams stagger, so it's not always bench lineups. Like for example, against the comeback, the the almost comeback in Madison Square Garden versus the Bucks, Emmanuel quickly Obi Toppin in them. We're going toe to toe with Giannis, Drew Holiday. Like these are like NBA champion level players that are on the right. court with them, and Emmanuel right. quickly is like dancing on the court. After hitting threes versus them, like come on now, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like it's, this is it's so ignorant to say that. It's so ignorant. You sound just as stupid as Dibs does. That was like the the funniest part about when I was I I, I did this research, like I said about um the Tibbs substitutions. I was telling you about that about mm-hmm. uh, when and every game I looked, the, the other team would like make a sub like five minutes into the quarter, you know, like they would, they would already be staggering bench guys in slowly. Mm-hmm. And Tibbs was like, nah, I'm rolling with my starters until like the three or four minute mark. Every single game, it was like clockwork. It was just crazy to say. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, ugh, I just wish for like, I asked for the bare minimum with creativity for this, from this guy. And he can't even deliver on that. Can't even deliver on that. Um, let me get back. He's to just the ultimate hammer nail coach. Like he just sees a nail and he just freaking hammers away at it. And like that's his. He just thinks that if we just keep doing that one thing over and over again, it's been wild. And like you know, we were saying like it stinks. It stinks to do this because I think it's important to point out that we as like Knicks fans, we owe a lot to this front office and to Tibbs because when Leon Rose took over and when Tibbs was hired, we were in fucking hell, man. We had nothing. Like, the Knicks had so many bad contracts. That 2019-2020 season was awful. And Tibbs came in and, you know, he established a culture. And Leon Rose came in and this front office came in and they wiped the books. And we don't really have any bad contracts anymore or at least long. We have all our picks. They've nailed every draft pick. And, you know, say what you want about how much they play, but quickly and Toppin and Grimes – and even RJ to some degree have all gotten better on Tibbs' watch. So like we don't sit here and enjoy shitting on Tibbs, you know, but it's just time. It's just, he, if you equate it to the Warriors dynasty, which I mean, obviously I don't think that the Knicks can be the Warriors dynasty or anything close to it. But if you try to make an analogy, like Tibbs is Mark Jackson and the Warriors thanked Mark Jackson and he did a lot for them. He established a defensive culture. He made guys accountable and he got them to the playoffs, but when it was time, it was time. And then Steve Kerr came in and he took the ball and he ran with it. It's time to give somebody else the ball here who will somebody who will mix up rotations and you know take advantage of the versatility that we have on this team. It's just literally it's any other coach. Time. Literally right. any other coach. Man, I would like 
I've said this so many times. I'd kill for like a Ty Lue type of coach, man. The stuff yeah. that he does with his lineups, I envy that. I envy that. Um, Dirty Dancer says the funny thing is only Thibs would still have Randall in the game in a blowout to give us the limited sample size. Exactly. <laughs> he is the like 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 Jeff said, self fulfilling prophecy. He is the reason why we don't have a larger sample size because of his tactics and his behaviors on in terms of coaching rotations lineups funny thing is fan some i was i was i would say arguing i would say um engaging in some heated discourse with fellow knicks fans about our coach and people say and i i had someone say to me that you know rotations isn't the only thing with coaches and i and to my point to your to that person's point i would say yes but not in this context because the talent on this team is to a point where coaching decisions, they matter. They matter so much. They matter so much because we don't have the top level talent that other teams in the Eastern conference have. Like they just don't. And the, and our talent is also at a developmental stage where, how much they're used and how they're used matters, right? And we have a we have a type of talent that, you know, it might not be top-end talent from a, just a single star standpoint, but we do have a lot of guys who are good at a number of different things. And so the worst possible thing you can do is pigeonhole these guys. Like telling Emmanuel quickly that he's just a backup shooting guard is insane. Like, it's just actually insane because he can guard multiple positions. He can play point guard. He can play shooting guard. And a better team would, or a better coach, I guess, would try to take advantage of that. Not just with quickly, with everyone. RJ Barrett's played so little shooting guard, so little point power forward, you know? We've, Randall and Obi have played no center, no meaningful center. Um, We can go down the line. You know, and how does Tibbs know that these things wouldn't work better unless he's willing to try them at all? You know, he's just, it's just an arrogance. It's just uh, his way, his one way, and he's just going to do it over and over again at the expense of both our short term and our long term. And it's killing the franchise because if we do another year of this, we're going into, you know, year four of OB and IQ where we have to make some real contract decisions and we're hurting their ceiling significantly. Um, Grimes, you know, he's going to be entering year three. They can't, we can't do another year of this thinking we're a title team and thinking that all we have to do is do one thing and then that's it. No, you have to do more. You have to be willing to, throw different looks at different teams. You have to be willing to on different nights, give certain guys elevated opportunities. That's how franchises work. And for two seasons now, we've seen two different iterations of two teams, but we've largely just seen one thing over and over and over again. Oh yeah. He benched Kemba. Yeah. Okay. Put Alec Burks in who's basically just, you know, it's the same idea. It's the same principle, you know? And it's just, 
I could genuinely make the argument. I won't right now, but I could make the argument that Tibbs is the most destructive coach in the league right now to a franchise. And I can't, I don't, I I actually don't think it's close. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, man, training camp is supposed to be such an exciting time for, you know, teams going into a new season, but man, for Knicks fans, I can say at least for for ourselves, this has been the most like on this is be the most unexcited I've been heading into a season just because of what the coach is saying. And we know like based on what he said so far, it sounds like it's a lot of the same of, of last year. And like, as it's supposed to be exciting, you know, we got Jalen Brunson. We finally got a point guard. Yippee. I can't bring myself to be that happy. I really can't. I can't, sadly enough. Like, I want to be excited about this season, but it is just so annoying to have a coach that you know is not going to be creative with the lineups and how that how much of a deterrent that's going to be to our success as a team this year. And the long term. Which yeah. Is- yeah, because, I mean, to Christopher's point, it's insane that Cam said he doesn't even really know or been told what he needs to do to get minutes. Shouldn't Thibs like tell him what role he's going to expect to play? I agree. And I'm not even a Cam fan or a fan. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. And Tibbs is probably saying like, you know, oh, he's situational. That's like his thing. Situational to him is like if Derrick Rose dies, okay, you you move up, you know, like, great. Um, by the way, this is not a hot take, at least not with us here. It's definitely yeah. not a hot take. This was my this was my belief going into this this offseason. I didn't want to get Brunson because I thought this exact thing. Um for the audio listeners, it is hot take is that I, IQ can become a better player than Brunson given the chance to play as a lead ball handler. Totally agree. But we'll never see this 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 um reality. I can only imagine it on 2K, which I will do after this. I will trade as many people as I can off the Knicks and give Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett and Obi Top in free reign. Um, and that's why, by the way, there are people who blame the front office. And I can't really I can't really fault those people because look, the front office's job is to provide talent for their head coach. And I think the front office has done a good job. And you shouldn't have to player proof your roster for your head coach but you kept this head coach you know who he is what's the thing you always say sam you know if someone tells you who they are someone shows you who you are believe them tibbs has showed us who he is and it's the front office's job to know his strengths and his weaknesses um if you have derrick rose on this team he's gonna play and it's gonna hurt the it's gonna hurt the development of guys who share a position with him or are close to him. So if you believe in quickly, like you claim to do and you know, your coach, it's your job to get rid of Derek Rose. As much as that stinks, as much as we all understand how good Rose has been when he's healthy quickly was really freaking good at the end of last season. And he has a step forward to take. And if Derrick Rose is blocking that step forward, even if it costs you a win or two in the regular season, 
it's your job to make sure that quickly gets every minute he can. That's quickly earned that he just did. Um, and you there, there's no convincing me that the difference between Derek Rose being the backup point guard and Emmanuel quickly being the backup point guard is something like five wins. That's outrageous, especially when you, you backhandedly say things like, Oh, well, if Derek Rose gets hurt quickly, he'll slide in, you know, as if like there's this expectation that Rose is going to get hurt. Great. If the gap between them is that small, just give the job to quickly. Thank you, Derek. That season was special. Go play for a title contender. We want, because this team isn't winning a title. So you have to, on some level, prioritize your long-term ceiling. Now, people always say, Tibbs doesn't tank. Tibbs doesn't tank. Okay, that's fine. We can work under that paradigm. But playing Emmanuel quickly is not tanking. He correlated with winning basketball more than any player. Exactly. It's not tanking. And and, and this whole general idea that playing young guys in general, like playing Obi more minutes and Grimes more minutes and Cam somewhat more minutes is like going to lead to us being like equivalent to last year's Rockets team or something is insane. Our players are really good. Right. And they showed us that in the limited time that they could against bench players like the Miami Heat were at full strength in that game where we came back down 20 in the fourth quarter led by Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims on the court. Like these guys were going toe to toe with Miami. Heat. Yes, it was a regular season game. Who cares? This argument that it was against bench guys immediately immediately gets killed versus in that game playing against a team that almost went to the NBA finals. Yeah. And it's not like we're calling for like a young player purge asking for Emmanuel quickly to be the backup point guard is the easiest middle ground of all time. Like, like we're not saying, Oh, we shouldn't have gotten Brunson and Julius Randle should play zero minutes. Well, maybe you're saying that, but <laughs> I definitely <laughs> but I, am. But um, you know, or even Evan Fournier. Take Evan Fournier. We talked about him earlier. You could make the argument that that playing Fournier over Grimes is more of a tank than the other way around. But we're not saying bench Fournier for good. But maybe it might help Fournier. Maybe. Maybe the reason we brought Evan Fournier in is because we wanted someone a little bit better than Reggie Bullock. We wanted someone who could do stuff with the ball in his hands, right? Well, guess what? He's not going to do that next to Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randle. He's the fourth option. But if you put Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup, okay, now you bring him off the bench. He's the second or third option off the bench. Maybe it's best for both players. Maybe Tibbs is actually inadvertently tanking by just starting Fournier because he's older. So you can say Tibbs doesn't tank, but when he makes suboptimal player evaluation decisions, he's inadvertently tanking. It's not like, like you just said, playing the young guys is not always akin to tanking. Sometimes it's just the right decision for your short and your long term. And I think Knicks fans have been conditioned because they've seen in the past a lot of times when we went young. I mean, our young talent has been pathetic in the past. That should be the first thing to that point. If you're thinking about Knicks teams of old that have played 
all younger lineups, or if you're looking around the league and have seen bad teams that have been mostly all young team, all young players, look at those young players. Are all those young players as good as our young players? They may have like one player that's like substantially better, like, or they might have the potential to be substantially better, like a Jalen Green or a Shea Gilgis Alexander. But like, look at the rest of the team around those guys. Is it that much better than the Knicks supporting pieces? Not really. So like, this idea that our young players are like so garbage that we have to play vets because Thibs has like Jedi mind tricked as a friend has 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 coined what Thibs has done to this fan base. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, I couldn't say it better. So um, yeah, that's just let's get back to some of these comments. Um, Kyle Lampasona says, I don't see how we could keep dibs when we inevitably disappoint the first few months of the season. Well, according to some fans, Jalen Brunson will mask some of these dibs weaknesses. So the first few months of the season will not be a disappointment, most likely. So Man, that, that's another really like just really interesting part about all this to me <laughs> is the Tibbs defenders say, well, he like he'll be gone if, you know, they underachieve anyways. You know, he 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 tries to win every game and we'll see yada yada. But I feel like me and you and people who think like us. If. Tibbs just had reasonable rotations. We wouldn't care about the results to a certain degree. Like if we went 39, 37 and 45 last season, like we did last season, but quickly and Obi had like reasonable roles and it didn't take until the last 10 games of the season for them to be integrated, more integrated into the rotation. I don't think any of us like Tibbs has a ton of good, as I said earlier, you know, like, yeah, his offense is very, uh, rigid and uncreative, but no perf- no coach is perfect. I don't think we're in here asking for Ty Lue. So this idea that we have to live or die on the results, uh, on the absolute results, I actually think is doing Tibbs a disservice. Like, again, I'm not asking for him to tank, but there is a middle ground here. And I think that if the front office just went to Tibbs and said, you know, we actually think that playing a few of these younger guys, increasing their roles slightly, making their roles more versatile, that might actually help the team. And if it doesn't help the team, then they're growing and that's okay. Like, sure, if they went 18 and 64 next year, okay, fire him. That's fine. But I just don't think that would happen, you know? And so yeah. I think there's I think there's a pretty clear middle ground between living and dying on the absolute win loss results and tanking. Yeah, and I mean it's all for me it was all about process. Me early on in last season, I I was someone that noticed the Knicks process being bad, especially in games like the Orlando game and the Cleveland game and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a rough season. Like, we started off pretty good. But, like, the process of how we were getting wins in some of these games and even the losses, I was just like. And some people, were, some people they called me a pessimist early on. And I, and I was just like, 
I don't see it. Like we're going to see soon, like how badly this can, how bad this can really get. And then February hit. And then I was just like, yeah, like it was real bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was actually on the other side of you, I think. Um, and I remember people saying, smarter people than me apparently including you when we were like we were like 21 and 19 i we were if i recall correctly we were tied with boston at 22 and 19 and i remember there were people who said or dead because we were past the small we're past the soft part of our schedule we're about to get killed and i was thinking like man really like we we haven't looked that great we're 22 and 19 like all we got to do is play a little better right and I was just dead wrong. We just <laughs> yeah, I mean, me, I was saying this stuff in November. In November, I didn't like the way that we were playing. Because I don't know if it was in November or December, but there was a game against the Houston Rockets where we were struggling yeah, the, against we, them. At home? At home. Alec yeah. Brooks had to save us. And I was like, ooh, this is bad. I remember this the is, exact. I was like, "This is yeah. not good." That that was a really bad performance. Yeah, I mean, and then from there, I was just like, "If we keep playing games like this, it's going to be a nasty long season." This is why you know I, I sounded like such a pessimistic asshole uh, the other day. I tweeted something like, "If the, if Tibbs keeps this up the way he's talking." I don't think I don't see how there can we can come out of the season with positive feelings. Like I don't see how this season can be a positive if Tibbs remains coach. And the reason that I said that is because it's all about, you know, a range of outcomes, you know? And what is the ceiling for this iteration of the team the way Tibbs wants it, you know? What is it? Like 46 wins, the absolute ceiling is like 46 to 50 wins. We get an all-star seat. And that, that happens so infrequently. So when I say this, people are like, oh, you're just scoffing off a 50-win season like it's nothing. Ceilings don't happen very often. If a 50-win season happened, I'll gladly eat my words. I'll fucking, you know, I'll be, I'll be over the moon if we win friggin' 50 games. That'd be awesome. But it's a ceiling for a reason, you know? And the rest of the time, we're just mediocre we're not seeing, we're not asking questions we need to ask. We're not seeing if Obi and Randall can play together. We're not seeing if quickly can be a starting point guard in this league. We're not seeing if Quentin Grimes can be a starting shooting guard in this league. We're not, you know, handing the reins over to RJ, which I am getting more and more pessimistic that even that's going to happen. Like with the way Tibbs is buddying up with Randall, with the way Brunson's buddying up with Randall, like I think we're in for the Brunson Randall show to start this season at least. And again, I'm with you. I love Brunson, but is it worth, you know, third string RJ in the starting line? I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't, how is that in the good, in, in, in the bet, in the best nature of this franchise? I, well, according I to some folks, Brunson is now part of the young core because he is under like what, 26 years old or something like, right. He is part of the young core now. So we have to prioritize him as well. Because he is also a young player, um, some pl- the way some people are able to do the mental gymnastics to justify any decision that this team or that Dibs makes is 
insane um is 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 actually quite remarkable i i wish i could do those type of mental gymnastics but i am someone who is sane and grounded <laughs> in reality so i cannot do those things but credit to you if you can justify if you can find a way to justify everything that dibs does that is stupid because he does a lot of stupid stuff and he's been saying a lot of stupid stuff yeah it'd be, uh, it'd be, it'd be fun to be like overwhelmingly positive about next season i can't be. drink orange and blue kool-aid all the time i just can't yeah. <laughs> i can't it's too much it's too much um yeah i mean wow it's just... well let's be honest sam First preseason game, we'll find things to be happy about. Like, <laughs> I don't like, know, we'll, man. I am like so <laughs> down about this team. Like, it's not even funny. <laughs> I'm like, like there'll be like probably like a string of IQ buckets, and then he'll get benched. But I'll be happy about the IQ buckets. <laughs> but then I'll be I'll be complaining more. I'll be I'll be happy for the the IQ buckets for like five minutes, but I'll complain about the benching for the rest of the night. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> I know he's gonna like take out like IQ for like like Svi or something. <laughs> he's gonna take out like IQ for like Svi Makailu, and I'm gonna be like so pissed. I'm gonna lose it. But um, yeah, let's get back to some comments. Um we got um let me see what comments we got. Let's see. Christopher Vieira agrees. I am miserable, to be honest. We are just running it back with Brunson instead of Kemba and Hartenstein instead of Noel. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. At this point, it is um, just, I mean, those players are better than them. But again, it goes back to the coach who's managing the lineups. And we know how he is with these hockey shifts. Um, there's not gonna be much creativity because I would love to see like some Brunson IQ, a lot of Brunson IQ action, um, some OB at the five, you know, Hartenstein with like a bunch of like wings around him and like IQ at the point, like weird, weird shit like that. Like, that's the type of shit I want to see, man. That's the type of stuff that like Ty Lu would do. Like, Ty Lu would have like Terrence Mann out there running point. And like Paul George and 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 a whole bunch of other wings out there and and stuff like that. Like he'd have like Terrence Mann out there with like Paul George, Batum at the five. He'd have Batum at the five. Who does that? But it'd be working. And like no one questions him. But like, see what happens when you take a risk. You find out something like that works. And that's something they always have in their back pocket. Sometimes they'll be like, you know what? Tyler will be like, you know what? Out of nowhere, let me put Batum at the five. And then boom. They go on like a little hot stretch or something. And no one questions that decision because it worked. And that's all you got to do. But yeah, I I, I, I kind of agree. I, I agree with this take. I am miserable as well. Um, I'll try to find some positives in that preseason game on Tuesday, which we will be live afterwards for. But, you know, it'll be pretty hard to do. Um, I don't know. It, it... <sighs> I see what he's saying. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back for a little bit here. I see mm. what he's saying. I, I see what he's saying about it feeling like we're running it back. Um, it's I mean because what he said is basically right. You know it is. But Brunson and Hartenstein against uh, Noel and Kemba is not something to just scoff at. That's a 
big yeah. freaking upgrade. Both of them are. And I, um, I acknowledge that as well, too. So, look, I mean, only one team can win the championship. I'm gonna I'm gonna play super devil's advocate here because <laughs> I want people who watch to love this team as much as I mean at the end of the day we love this team. We do. We That's do. why we, we criticize this, it we so this, much. We, lo- we, lo- we love this team. Um so I mean we've got those big upgrades. We won 37 games last season, but we had a neutral net rating. So, you know, most, you know, the the analytics say we should have, you know, just been a 500 team. We had a better net rating than both the Bulls and the Pelicans, both of whom made the playoffs. Coming to the season, we can expect natural improvement from, what, at least six guys who are going to be in the rotation. Grimes is going to be better. Quickly is going to be better. Obi's going to be better. Randall has to be better. He can't be any worse. We're getting an upgrade from the starting point guard spot and the backup center spot. So even if Tibbs Tibbs is, we're just going to be a better team next season. We have to be. Have to. And look, I mean, this is Tibbs's last chance at a head. He's not getting another head coaching job. He really isn't. So look, God bless that man. If he's just willing to go down with the ship, if he's just like, fuck you guys, I know best. I'm dying this way. But if if he starts to see the writing on the wall, like Sam, if you're right, which I'm not saying you're not right because me and you agree on most things, but if you're mm-hmm. right about your and Chris, the, the guy who commented, if y'all are right, if Tibbs is smart and he sees the writing on the wall, he will adjust. And just, just to save himself, you know? And if you look at it that way, if you look at it from just trying to find a positive, there's really only two outcomes here, you know, either you're right. And hopefully Tibbs adjusts to that because people, certain people don't play well and we have to adjust or you're wrong. And we get to watch a good, fun, young basketball team. So I don't know. I I do think there are things to look forward to. And I believe in specifically quickly, but also Grimes and Obi. I just believe in them. And I think they're going to make it tough on Tibbs. I think they're going to say, fine, don't play us, but this is what we're going to do every time we're on the court. We're going to play well. We're going to win the shit out of our minutes. And if you don't play us more, you're going to freaking hear about it, you know? And while that might be frustrating, that might be frustrating. And me and you will be on here every freaking post game ranting about it. It'll still be fun to watch. It's still way better than the majority of Knicks seasons we've had, you know, the last I'm watching years. Emmanuel Moutier like hit <laughs> exactly. a dagger on the Bucks in overtime or some shit like that. Exactly. Um, we got some. Oh, we got some. We got some pushback on 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 Fournier's side. We got someone defending Fournier, um, in the comments. So we got House Flan. He says, um, Fournier is a better player than Grimes. Let's not get it twisted. Um, he also says, based on what, like forty to fifty games against backups, I like Grimes, but let him grow into a starter. I mean, Grimes is what first NBA minute, first like serious NBA minutes were what against the defending champs, where he put up twenty seven points, um, and hit like what six or seven threes. Seven I mean, threes, that kind of set the tone for what he can do given the adequate amount of minutes, and like even then, I mean, there's a I could pull up so many games because I remember 
Quentin Grimes' best game so well. I mean, there's the game against Portland where he got significant run, where they came back and actually beat us. But he was a big part of the reason why we were up so big in the first place. Um, That's I such mean, a his, good recall. We just stopped giving him the ball in the fourth quarter. We exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. He was a big part of our offense in the first three quarters, scoring about like 20 points. Um, there was a game against um, OKC, another game where we lost that we had a lead in. Yeah, he, he had that. A, uh, he had that steal and bucket to put us up. Yep, exactly. Stuff like this. I mean, I could keep going. I could keep going, House Flan. But I mean, I think the tape shows for itself what uh, what Grimes can do. I think the the numbers say for itself. I mean, Grimes is just as a starter in that starting lineup. We need someone that can defend twos. Yep. Fournier can shoot the hell out of the ball. Awesome. Grimes is no slouch as a shooter, but he's also way better as a defender. 6-6, solid build. He put on some muscle this offseason, so it's even better for him as a defender. Like, that's all we're asking for for him. We're not asking him to, like, break the three-point record for the next season. We're asking him to be a solid 3 and D guy, which is better what Fournier can do, especially next to Brunson in that backcourt. And that's that's, that's, that's that's the main point. I mean, Sam just friggin' nailed it. That's the main point. We can we can go back and forth between who's better between Fournier and Grimes. I don't want to underrate Fournier because I actually think Knicks fans underrated him a lot last season. I think he's a lot better than Knicks fans think, um, and I think it's possible that he's actually that House Flan is actually right that Fournier is in a vacuum a better player right now than Quentin Grimes is, but there's two things in play here. The first is what you just said. It's not in a vacuum. It's a very contextualized situation. And the context is you're looking for a shooting guard in between Jalen Brunson, a growing RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett and Julius Randall. So Evan Fournier's main advantage at this moment in time is what he can do with the ball in his hands. But as we said earlier, Evan Fournier is not going to have the ball in his hands very much. He is the fourth option on that team. So what you want from your shooting guard is a guy who can take the pressure off of RJ Barrett defensively on the wing and a guy who can shoot. We know Fournier can shoot, but Grimes can shoot too. They per 36, their three point shooting was almost identical last season. And Grimes, whatever difference Fournier has in shooting even if you believe there is one. I'm not convinced there is one, but if you do, that's fine. Grimes more than makes up for that defensively. So contextually, Grimes is already just has to be the best short-term option at shooting guard. And this doesn't even bring into play how much better it is for the Knicks long-term for Quentin Grimes to play 10 more minutes a night. Like House Flan, let's just say, Let's just say Evan Fournier is right now half a win better than Quentin Grimes. I will give you that. I will cede it to you. I I don't agree, but let's just say under this paradigm, that's the case. How much better long-term is it? How much are they gaining if Quentin Grimes plays 10 more minutes a night? It's just so clearly better for their long-term. So you have to weigh both those factors. And then the third thing is, as I alluded to earlier, maybe it's just better for Fournier to come off the bench because maybe we're taking advantage of his full skill set 
if he's the second or third option off the bench. Maybe we are using his the things he does better than Grimes. Maybe they're actually better used off the bench. And his weaknesses are less of a vulnerability because he he can be less exposed. His defense can be less exposed against other bench players. So to me, and I think to Sam, it's a really easy decision to go with Grimes. I respect you thinking that Fournier in a vacuum is a better player, but I just don't, I can't get on board with it not being way better for the Knicks short and long-term to start Grimes. When talking about players, it's always, for me, it's always about context. Like you could be better overall, but like, are you better in this context? Cause like, that's what matters, especially with the Knicks. Cause again, it goes back to my point with this team. There's not a lot of top level talent on this team. It's not one of those teams where, you know, you have a clear, like I'm gonna put it in 2k terms. You don't have a clear, like 90 plus overall player. We have a bunch of eighties. So you need to be creative with all these eighties, 85s. If people can get my drift there. Um, we got a good question from Menno F. Um, do you think there's some in the front office that share our same thoughts? Feels like there's a very obvious direction this team should go, but I guess Thibs and Leon just don't see it that way. Um, I think there are some people in the front office that share our same thoughts. I mean, I think World Wide West is someone that would like to see the kids play. He is someone that seems to be a big advocate for them. Um, I mean, we know he's a big Emmanuel Cookley fan. He took off his fucking shirt for him. Um, in 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 the in the pre-draft process. Um, but yeah, I think he's someone that he was, he was someone, I think that he was one of the voices that I heard last year was that wanted Thibs gone. Like he was one of the bigger voices that wanted Thibs gone. And I think Walt Perrin would probably, um, want his, like, these are his gems that he drafted. I think he'd want to see them play and he'd be able to like feel justified and dignified for picking these guys for the, for this team. But yeah, I think there are some people in the front office that share our same thoughts. It's just a matter of if their voices are loud enough. Yeah. And it could just be a case. I mean, this could be probably the number one criticism of the front office is there's just too many voices right now. Like there's just, there's so many people giving so many different perspectives. And to me, the best franchises have a coaching staff and a front office that are aligned and are self-aware. And I just don't think we, I think we lack self-awareness huge because I truly think that Leon Rose and Tibbs are going into the season, like thinking like, okay, like maybe they don't think they can win a championship, but they are like win, win, win at all costs. And like, you really only you really bypass everything else if you're like a championship team. So whether or not they believe they're, you know, we're a championship level roster right now, they're certainly acting like it. Um, and I just think that a little bit of humility and the willingness to take a step back so that the franchise can take two steps forward is pretty clearly what's best for the team. And by the way, I say that under the full, like it's totally possible that, you know, if made some of the decisions that me and Sam are calling for, the team would just be better in the short term. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, 
And I do think that there are people in the front office who see it that way. But there's so many voices, and Leon is so aligned with Tibbs that they just can't get through. Um, And Menno F also says, I, I know Quick and Obi are good soldiers and don't complain publicly, but don't you think they're probably pissed? They've shown constant improvement, yet the org doesn't want to truly invest in them. And, yeah, I mean, I stated earlier, if someone, you know, throws these guys an offer and offers them, you know, more opportunity somewhere else, I know these, I know both of them, they love being in New York City. I mean, Obi especially being a New York kid. But if opportunity presents itself where a team is like, hey, we can give you more opportunity than the the Knicks will ever give you, who says those those two aren't running to that opportunity? They're young, they'll be getting paid, and they'll be getting more opportunity. They'll be able to showcase what most Knicks fans have known to be true about them for all this time, that they're really good NBA players. I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, I we agree on everything, so I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, Obi kind of gives off uh, – God, what's a not fucked up way of saying this? Um, like, he kind of gives off like a Stockholm Syndrome guy. Like, he just wants to be loved, kind of. <laughs> you know, like – I don't get, I I just could never see him being frustrated. You know, he's always so happy. And like, I feel like if I was him, I would have spent the last two years so mad all the time. And he's just always so happy for quickly though. (laughs) I mean, that dude gives off like a blue chip, like cocky. I know how good I am vibe. And I mean, you see it on the court. This guy hits like the gritty after he hits threes on dudes. Like, right. I think we're close to a breaking point with him if things don't change. I mean, there's got to be someone in his ear that's like, dude, the team was 14 points better per 100 possessions when you played last season. You were by far the most valuable player in a crappy season, and they turned around and reduced your role. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know where you go from that. How do you How do you sit down with him and say, hey, Emmanuel, we value you? And why should he believe it? I don't know. I'd be surprised if A, things don't change, B, quickly is still a Nick in two seasons. I And to and to his point, to your point about the two seasons thing, there's a comment that I do want to get to about um, restricted free agency that someone just, just posted. Um, Kyle Lampo- Lampasona says, I feel like this team would be pretty fun if we get, if we just got rid of Thibs and Randall. I loved Brunson and Hartenstein in their prior situations. Um, I watched a lot of Clippers games last year due to gambling reasons that I will not disclose. Um, so I did see a lot of Hartenstein and I did like what I saw from him. Um, and I also follow a couple of, I follow a good amount of Clippers fans. Um, and they, they loved, like, they were always bragging about Hartenstein. So it, I know, I know we got someone good there. Brunson, I mean, we've all seen what Brunson can do at this point. So there's not much, there's not much to really get into further there. But I think Hartenstein, Hartenstein could easily become a fan favorite, I think. Yeah, especially playing with Obi. Uh, I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw a quote the other day where Obi said, uh, "To pass." Oh wait, like, you froze for a minute. Repeat that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Hartenstein said the other day, "Even if you don't expect a pass, expect a pass." 
like he's a great passing big from that from like the free throw line area when he's like messing with dribble handoffs and stuff. And uh I mean Obi's the type of guy who has that elite processing and just he thinks about the he game. He is so going well. to be cutting like crazy. Exactly. Oh my exactly. God. This is the type of stuff I wish I could be like so excited about, but I'm like, yo, I <laughs> I just know the coach is gonna mess it up. This is insane. Because <laughs> I I've I watched Hartenstein, like I've watched him play and I watched the highlights too. Some of these passes he's making is like Jokic level passes. And it's like having someone like Obi being on the receiving end of those stuff is just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can absolutely see like Hartenstein standing in the middle of the court and OB like finding a cut backdoor, you know, like finding a backdoor cut or finding a baseline cut. Like that'll be a staple of the Knicks bench offense. Um, what, what, what I'm interested about to talk some actual basketball. So I know Hardenstein, you know, is a good screener, but from the clips I watched from, I watched a decent amount of highlight. He's kind of slow footed. Yeah. He and um, I wonder if, because one, he's a spacer, like he's he's not he's not I'm not gonna act like he's like Brooke Lopez, but he, he can stand in the corner, you know. Do you think do you think Tibbs will go away at all from needing the five to screen and let you know them run some one four screen with Obi and quickly off the bench or with Rose and Obi? Or do you think he'll just stick with the status quo and Hardenstein will set the majority of the screens? I I'd, I'd hope it's more Obi. I mean, we've seen what Obi can do. Um, in terms of, I mean, not even just pick and rolls now, but like pick and pop. If if he's continuing off on from last season, the end of last right. season, where the three point sh- shot was really going for him, where he was attempting like eight threes a game or something and hitting like plus forty percent on them, and I'm not expecting that to continue because that that was just like an insane hot stretch. But yeah. if he's like, if he's shooting like thirty five percent from three. You got to implement some more 1-4 pick and roll, 1-4 pick and pop. Mix it up. Confuse the defense a little bit, you know. Have them on their heels. So, like, they think oh, it's a 1-4 pick and roll, but then it's like a pick and pop. And then, you know, you could do, get in, insert some dribble handoffs from there and too. Like, so much, so much things you can do there. You could also make the argument that in three years here, or two years so far, but in, entering his third year, Obi will be operating with the most paint space he's ever operated with because of Hardenstein. Because Hardenstein, I mean, it was Nerlens Noel and you know Taj Gibson. So or yeah, paint bound centers and right. they like hang out in the dunker spot all the time. Except exactly. for Taj when he was like spacing the when he magically yeah. decided to become a spa- a floor spacer. Did you see? Did you see uh, yesterday or maybe it was this afternoon? He hit one from the top of the key. Oh yeah, they were playing the Warriors this morning. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get to see that, but yeah, I, I I think I saw a clip of that. Yeah. Well, yep, Taj the floor spacer. I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's so much things. I mean, and then Obi started to implement this like fake handoff a little bit, where he would like fake handoff and then drive to the paint and like try to get a layup or a dunk, stuff like that. You know, just want to see more stuff like that. Um, and then oof, I would love to see like some RJ, Obi, pick and rolls. Because RJ's pretty good when he could, like, when he does that, like, short pick and roll for a lob with Mitch. So if he could do it with, like, Obi, oh, my gosh, that would be so fun. So many fun things that this team could do with all the different lineup combinations if 
not even gonna speak the coach's name. Yeah, so, so, something RJ and Quickly have both gotten really good at is when they're driving to their strong hand and they have a shooter in the strong corner, and then Mitch or God, definitely not Nerland Snow. Good, good, good riddance. But yeah, Mitch, specifically Mitch diving. Mm-hmm. They're really good at making that read because it's on there. There's there's a help defender. The the guy, one guy is responsible for deciding between the the Mitch diving and the guy standing in the corner. And both RJ and Quickly have gotten really good at manipulating that defender and deciding if they should whip a pass to the corner or throw a lob. Um, you can like picture it, you know, like you can just mm. picture, you know, both them driving and and just reading it. And you know, I, I know I've hyped up quickly a lot, but quickly especially has gotten really good at it. Um, he he's just. I think I think the, uh, an example of this, <laughs> I think an example of the play that you're talking uh, of the type of play you're talking about is, um, example of that would probably be late in the season versus the Bulls when IQ went to the paint, drove in, kicked it out to the corner to Alec Burks, a play that Julius Randle was apparently upset about because you know right because he, he didn't get the ball and like a baby at the end of that game even though we won. But yeah, that's I think that's a perfect example of that play, and I think a lot of people can remember that play because it was like one of the last like. One of the lasting highlights um, of Alec Burks in a Knicks uniform. So, yeah, I think a lot of people should remember that. But that's an example of the play Jeff is talking about when Emmanuel quickly drove in, ended that Bulls game, found Alec Burks, whipped it into the corner, hit that three. Yeah, quickly so I gotten really good at that pass. And so has RJ. Yeah, that was cool too because I mean Randall was calling for the ball. Quickly told him to fuck off. That's why I like. That's why I love Emmanuel Quickly. Yo, he is the type. He is that player that will like. He will be like, yo, screw you, Julius. Like, this is the play that I'm gonna about to do. Like, we about to win this play. We about to score this bucket. Like, if you don't want to be involved, whatever. But like, you can like bitch about it on the side. But yeah. So I like you, think Tib- you think Tibbs was mad? Like quickly went away from the play he called to. Probably. You know, Tib- you know, you know, Tibbs sure. wanted that ball in Randall's hand. Of course, of course <laughs> he did, because he wanted to lose. He did de- de- <laughs> deep down inside. Tibbs wants to lose. Tibbs has been tricking y'all. He likes losing because he does so <laughs> much to show that he does. Um, Kyle and Persona ask, um, what do you think about RJ at the four? His strength and slashing could be really useful in a size down lineup. I love the idea of RJ at the four. That is something that I have been clamoring for because we, I think we saw a little bit of a glimpse of it in a Clippers game when it was a lineup of IQ, Deuce, Cam, RJ, and Sims. And they ran the Clippers off the floor with that lineup. They ran them off. They ran them out the gym with that lineup. All right. Now we got it. Now we, now we got to find what, cause it's something insane. Their number is something insane. Um, it's, I mean, obviously it's not sustainable, but I remember, of course not. But like that glimpse had like Nick's Twitter, like ready to like throw a parade in advance for this lineup. Like that lineup was special, but yeah, I love RJ at the four and that game is the reason why, because that little glimpse that like Thibs like teased us with in that game was just like everything I needed to see at that moment. It was, it was something insane. And I remember the exact game. They they went on like a 40 to two run or something preposterous. It was insane. 
Oh my gosh, what that was a that was one of the rare fun games, like really fun games this year, this past year. It was such a fun game because it was like it was like Dibs kind of got a little funky with it, but he had no choice because like players were out, which is like the thing I hate the most about him is that he is forced to do things um, fun and funky when people are out. But if everyone is available, he will stick to like bare bones and stuff like that. It's so annoying. Okay. So you, so you ready for this, Sam? <laughs> it's insane. Okay, so there's two lineups. There's two lineups that are just outrageous. Mm-hmm. Okay, so quickly, Deuce, Obi, Grimes, and Jericho Sims. So, or excuse me, quickly, Deuce, Grimes, Obi, and Jericho Sims played six minutes, and their net rating is plus 125.2 for <laughs> oh 100 gosh. possessions. And then, but that's probably just pure garbage time. So, whatever. <laughs> But then that stretch you were just talking about, um, the uh, quickly deuce Cam RJ Jericho from the Clippers game. Mm -hmm. Because remember, if you recall, they played the Nuggets the next game, and Tibbs played it again, that lineup again, and it crushed again. Not as hard, but it, it was really good. I think I think it was the Nuggets. They played somebody the next game. Pretty sure it was the Nuggets, and it was just really good. Anyway, it might have been the Mavericks. Yeah, it might have been the Mavericks because like I remember the Clippers, the, the the Clippers and the Mavericks games. They were like right after each other, and we we smoked both of those teams. Yeah, that that, that could be right. So, um, so they played twelve minutes. This is quickly Deuce Cam RJ Sims twelve minutes, and per hundred possessions, they scored one hundred and fifty eight points per hundred possessions. And allowed 68 points per 100 possessions. Yo, that is insane. (laughs) For a plus 90 net rating. Yo. (laughs) Against, god damn it, that's so good. (laughs) That is like, and the thing about that lineup that makes it work so well is because it has shooting, playmaking, and size at every position, whether it be wingspan. So like defensively, there is no gaps you got Jericho Sims as the perfect lob threat in the middle. And I think we talked about it too, is that a fun caveat of this lineup would be replacing Sims with Obi and seeing how that would work and how much yeah. more like it, or Mitch. how much more crazy that could get or Mitch. Yes, exactly. Like how Mitch much more. Cool. Yeah. But like with, for me with Obi, it adds even more passing and connectivity, which like, I mean, that offense would be insane. It would just be like it would be like the ultimate like 2K freestyle lineup. So we were both wrong. Uh you were closer to being right than me. Dallas mm-hmm. was two games after the Clippers game. Oh, it was actually okay. it was actually at Sacramento. Uh Sacramento makes more sense. Yes. That does make more yeah. sense. Um, but yeah, we those are the three games that I remember we like we just like smoke teams. But yeah. That makes Yeah, it's crazy. We so the game before it was the Phoenix game when Julius got tossed. When we lost by one. Yeah. Um, and we blew it at Phoenix. And then we went at LA, at Sacramento, at Dallas, and absolutely wiped the floor with all four of them. And then we were, went at Mem- at Memphis, and we were up 15 at the end of the third quarter. And at blew Memphis it. And blew it. <laughs> I, I remember these games too well. Too well. I remember them way too well. Yep. I hate that I can point out like certain moments 
where I knew the game was over. <laughs> like that Phoenix game, as soon as I saw Julius get into it with Cam, I was like, oh, Cam is going to be the, the one to kill us tonight after that. And yeah. lo and behold, it was him. But yeah, I mean, let's get back to some some of these more comments. I think these are going to be the last ones before we, we close off for tonight because we definitely going to be back on um after that preseason game where we can definitely talk about some more stuff um dirty dancer says if mda was coach rj would play the four. Oh, for sure if mda was coach there'd be definitely a lot more lineup creativity i mean this guy played like pj tucker at the five like i mean yeah. that's insane to me but yeah <laughs> Um, Christopher Vieira uh, says, Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I agree. I, I think, uh, I saw somebody on Twitter today defending Tibbs by saying, Well, the Knicks ran D'Antoni out of town and he was creative, but like, I could be misremembering, but I remember Knicks fans loving D'Antoni, and the only one who ran him out of town was Mello, right? Like, that's that, that's what happened, right? Mello, Mello didn't like that he embraced Linsanity so much, and Mellow made it a thing, and then I feel like I, there's a lot of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking going on because I think the team. Th- so yeah, I think I, I think what happened with D'Antoni was the team was like struggling at that mm-hmm. point. He, I, I think it was after Linsanity, the team was struggling. Um, and yeah, it just happened like some random like Monday morning he like resigned or something or they like mutually agreed to like part ways or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Woodson stepped up and then boom, the team was like back to normal or whatever for whatever odd reason. But yeah, it was like some weird point in the season. That season was weird overall because like the Knicks point guard situation was in hell, but yeah, D'Antoni became like, I guess the scapegoat for that. I just don't think the fans are the ones who ran him out. I think the fans. Yeah. The fans didn't have a problem with D'Antoni to my knowledge, at least. I mean, I was like 10 or 11 at that time. So I don't really remember like most of like discourse of, of the, the the D'Antoni era. But like, from what I remember, I don't think fans really called for D'Antoni to be gone. Like most of it was like, it was more of like roster construction that was like the issue with fans because like the big issue that season was point guard, like Tony Douglas, Iman Shumpert, <laughs> like that was our point guard rotation. Mike Bibby, like then they had to throw in Jeremy Lin because you know we were still waiting on Baron Davis's herniated disc to heal. Like that that year was insane. Yeah, but. Yeah, I I don't think the fans ran D'Antoni out. I I don't think they really felt that he was at at fault for what was going on. I uh, I I agree with Christopher. That that's basically what I was saying earlier. I think this this comment right here. Oh, the one before. Oh, I was saying the one before where he said he can be creative with his back against the wall. I think. Oh yeah, dibs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, when he when he's had when he, when he has guys out, that's when he gets really creative with lineups. Weirdly enough, weird. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Yeah, I think I think we are going to. But yeah, Christopher Vieira says I think he was getting to your point about fans didn't run him out of town. Melo wasn't thrilled about the offense and wanted him out. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean the fans. It's funny because the like a lot of the like the the easy the easy way to go about a lot of this discourse is always oh the fans ran this person out, um, as if like the media doesn't play a part as well in terms of shaping narratives, storylines, all that good stuff. So that's a good point. But again, I don't even want to talk about the media because they are like they're like enemy number 1.5 after like Thibs at this point because of how like they let him get so much bullshit but <laughs> um yeah I think we're going to end things off here. Shout out to everyone that tuned in. Um shout out to everyone that's listening now on the audio version of this that will hopefully be out. Um I will do my best to get that out. Um, make sure y'all tap into all the links in the, um, description. We got, sh- um, well, links to the site, Patreon, Twitter, and the merch, which Jeff is currently rocking right now. So definitely oh, yeah. make sure y'all cop that. Oh, I will- and yep, we got water bottles. We got sweaters. We got shirts. We got all that good stuff. Um, I would make sure to cop myself some. I keep telling myself that, but my dementia keeps kicking in. I gotta um, say, this is probably like the coolest thing ever. So it's like stainless steel on the inside. Mm, so you okay. know, keep, keep shit cold, and yeah, you know, I don't Super drink durable. coffee. I don't, I don't drink coffee, but I'm sure you know people could put coffee in it if they really wanted to. I don't, I don't even know how that stuff works, but apparently, you know, coffee can be cold or hot or uh, yeah, really partaken. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, it's a dope, it's a dope uh, thing that you should invest in if you, you know, like that sort of thing. And our Knicks fan, which if you're tuning into the stream or podcast, you most likely are. Um, but yeah, that that does it for us. We will be back um October fourth, I believe it is. It's um, Tuesday that, on a Tuesday after the Knicks' first preseason game. Um, to, you know, talk about all that good stuff that happened in that game, hopefully. Um, and, you know, we'll go from there. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll catch you all next time.